Well, I'll tell you, it has been quite a week, hasn't it, and how this last week started. Got up early Monday morning, and I heard this news. And I remember sitting in my chair, and I just, like, almost cried. I thought, oh my gosh. What is going on? All these people mowed down. 58 people murdered. Evil once again has reared its ugly head in our country. Another display of total human depravity, of inhumanity, of unspeakable horror there that night. How does one even begin to explain it? How does one understand how these things happen and why? Well, there is ultimately no, well, we all search for the answers. Why did he do it? You know what the Bible simply says? This is the manifestation of the power of darkness. The pervading power of evil in this world. It is the evidence of what the Bible calls, now our country, don't, a lot of people think this is just old-fashioned. It's called iniquity. Another word for sin. Sin ultimately, and I talked about that last week. If you weren't here to listen to that homily, I suggest that you go and listen to it online. But sin is the root of all human misery and all human despair Sin is the cause for all human suffering in this world. And we once again saw it. As I read the news in the following days, I came across a story of Heather and Sonny. Heather is a surgeon. And Sonny, a surgical nurse, guess how they met? In a surgery ward. As the one-year anniversary of their marriage approached, the couple decided to celebrate their first year of married life. Going to Las Vegas, they left from Big Sandy, Tennessee, to go to the Route 91 Harvest Festival. It was during Jason Aldean's set that a spray of bullets came from the 32nd floor of Mandalay Bay Resort. Heather, in her own words, recounts what happened. When we realized that the gunshots were going off and it wasn't fireworks like everybody else thought around us, I said, let's get down, Sonny. And he said, no. We'll get trampled. Let's go. He wrapped his arms around my back. And they took off. Heather says she remembers the moment that she felt the bullet pierce her husband's back. He died while she was performing CPR. On him. 
It was Sonny's love for his wife that saved her life. The story of Sonny and Heather really made a deep impact on me as I was preparing and studying the second article of the creed that we believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Because Sonny and Heather is a story of sacrifice and love. And the second article of the creed is exactly about the ultimate sacrifice and love of our Lord Jesus Christ who triumphed over evil and darkness of grave and death itself. These things, once again, we were reminded this week are very real in a broken world like ours. And no politician and no amount of more laws are going to prevent the power of evil and darkness. There's only one, and the solution is found in Jesus. And probably one of the most beautiful things Martin Luther ever wrote in all of his extensive writings, most theologians will agree that his explanation of the second article of the creed is the most beautiful and profound of anything Luther ever wrote. Read his words with me to the explanation of what we mean when we confess that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Together, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with His holy, precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity, this is most certainly true. The words of Luther, very powerful for us in what Jesus did for us. Last week, I looked at why Christ had to sacrifice Himself. What was the nature that He took on, flesh of our flesh and bone of our bones, so He could do what? He could taste death for all of us. Well, this week, we look at the results of that death and what happened in His resurrection. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians is dealing with people who are skeptics, And there were some who were denying the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of the dead in general. And in his 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he he goes through a very extensive uh, list of what happened. He says, "I, I tell you what I received, and I'm passing this on to you, is that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was raised again from the dead according to the Scriptures. He appeared to the apostles and to Peter. He appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters, many of whom are still alive to this day. Last of all, Paul said, he appeared to me. He was taken up and seated at the right hand of the Father. 
Paul would write these words to the Corinthians, these words to us, and these words to the world. He says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is useless. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Everything that Christianity stands for, everything that Christianity is, hangs on this truth. That Jesus Christ died for our sins and the sins of the whole world, and that He was raised again to life for our justification, to set all things right, and so there was now a way back to the Father. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the confirmation that everything that Jesus said and everything He did on that cross is true. But if Christ is not raised from the dead, Paul says, then you know what? We might as well live it up because He's dead. The grave was empty, Paul said. And everything changed on an Easter morning. It changed the world. As I said last week, no human being in history has had more impact on the history of humanity than this man who was an itinerant preacher, homeless, didn't own a penny except the shirt on his back. He changed the world. The church calls the celebration of his death and resurrection the Paschal Mystery. And every year during Holy Week, we gather to remember the events beginning with Holy Thursday, his suffering, his abandonment of the cross, and then on Easter, his resurrection to new life. Sonny, I got to thinking, a man like Sonny, he gave his life for his wife because he loved her. I think there's a lot of people like that. A lot of people would give their life up for their wife, for their spouse, for their children, for people they dearly love. I mean, there are people who will give up their life for an ideal. I mean, think of all of those who have fought in wars, who've died for our freedom, for the love of this country. There are people who will die for things greater than themselves. But who is going to die for someone who spit on them and cursed them and mocked them and whipped them and put nails in their hands and feet? Who would die for an enemy? That's exactly what Paul says when he says, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet enemies, Jesus died for us. There, hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, that's the remarkable thing about the cross of Jesus. He loves us even when we don't love him. His resurrection authenticated what happened on the cross. That his sacrifice is the sacrifice that reconciles us 
to God. And thereby, in reconciling us to God, he gives us the power to reconcile to each other and become the family which is called the church, the very body of Christ in this world, as Paul would say. It is in the Eucharist that the church most clearly celebrates that sacrifice that becomes present on the altar, the very body and blood of Jesus given for our sins, raised to life again here in the Eucharist. And then the pastor will say, the mystery of faith, here it is, the mystery of faith. And what are we going to say? We proclaim your death, O Lord. We profess your resurrection until you come again. There is, the, there is exactly what the church, what you and I are to be about. We are people who live through the sacrifice of Christ and live because of his resurrection. And we do this, our lives are found embedded within Christ. And therefore, we live in Christ until the end of time, until you come again, Lord. This is our ministry. This is what we are about to lift you up and to draw men and women and children to you. Not to social justice, not to a philosophy, but to you, Jesus. To you. Because you change everything. We do not have a dead leader. If we do, if Jesus' bones are still in Palestine, Paul says, we're fools. It's your money, do with it what you want. It's your body, do with it what you want. Live it up. You only go around once in life. Die with the most toys. Isn't that American ideals? We don't have a dead leader. If Jesus Christ is risen from the tomb, he claims your life, He claims your money. He claims your body. He claims your house. He claims your life totally. Everything you are. He's Lord. You know what happens with us? Sometimes we forget that. One of the great tragedies, we just take it for granted. Those of us who've been raised in the church, ah, the church, it's all going to be that. Yeah, you know what? We just take it for granted. We take our faith for granted. We take our own lives for granted. We take everything we have for granted. And then we go to a Route 91 Harvest Festival. And the love of your life dies. And all of a sudden, everything you took for granted is over. I think we expect too little out of Jesus. You know, remember this little guy? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a little short man. He couldn't get through the crowds. He was a tax collector. He was hated. He had it made. But he heard about this man named Jesus of Nazareth. And so he wanted to catch a glimpse. That All he wanted to do was catch a glimpse of Jesus. Just, just see him, all right? He climbs this tree. And all of a sudden the Lord, as he's passing through, stops, looks up, and basically says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I want to stay with you. 
Me? And it's like, is he looking at somebody else? No, you. You, Zacchaeus. You see, Zacchaeus was willing to settle just for a passing glance, a momentary experience. I got to thinking. You know, remember how I just said we take our lives for granted at times until some interruption? Well, look at Zacchaeus, how his life was interrupted by Jesus. I think for us at times, our momentary glance of Jesus may be coming to church when we feel like it or when we remember to come or if we have nothing else pressing in our life. We catch that glimpse. We're like, it's okay. Just a glance. But Jesus offered a whole lot more to Zacchaeus and he offers a lot more to each one of you this morning. An invitation. He says, I want to stay with you. When Zacchaeus slid off that tree that day, everything in his life changed. I give every, half of everything I own to poor people. If I have hurt or defrauded anyone as a tax collector, I'm going to pay you back four times the amount. There was a life changed. I love this picture of Jesus in the upper room. Remember what happened on the day of resurrection? The disciples were huddled in fear behind locked doors. They were willing to settle for a lot less than what Jesus had told them, that the Son of Man will be betrayed, that he will be, you know, sentenced to death, he'll be crucified, but on the third day he rise from the dead. He told them this. They refused to believe it. In fact, they even refused to believe the women who came back from the empty tomb that Sunday morning early saying, we saw a vision of angels. He wasn't there. The only thing in the tomb were the clothes that he was buried in. Yeah, right. Right. They were behind those doors that were locked because of fear. You can't live a resurrected life behind fear. Jesus comes and and greets them, and he says, put your hands here. Look Look at the nail prints. Look at the side. Stop doubting but believe. Everything changed for those apostles. And here some 2,000 years later, we gather to worship the same Lord they did and to experience the power of a changed life as they did and as a man named Zacchaeus did because of invitation by Jesus. Martin Luther would put it like this in his conclusion to the second article. Read these words with me. That I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. And I just want to leave you with these three thoughts. If there's anything you take away, 
from this morning's homily. What Luther talks about is who I am, where I live, and what I do. Who am I? Luther says that I may be his own. I'm a child of God. I'm somebody that has been bought, not with gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. And nothing can take me away from him. Even when we walk through the valleys of shadows and darkness and death, and I've read the testimonies of some of those people in those horrid moments outside of Mandalay Bay Resort and how their faith sustained them in the midst of that because they knew that Christ was there as a light in darkness. Who am I? I belong to Jesus. Where do I live? Luther says, to live under him in his kingdom. You see, we live in the kingdom of God now, not in some future. Jesus, you're my disciples now. The kingdom of God is among you, Jesus would say, present because wherever he is, there is the kingdom. We live in his power, power that transforms our lives, power that keeps us going even when we want to give up. I live under him and his kingdom. And what am I to do in this life? I'm to serve him. In all of my callings, whatever vocations you have, husband or wife, parents or children, to serve him in the offices you work at, in the factories, to serve him in the homes, in your vocation, your calling, to serve him in high school and college, to serve him in elementary school, to serve him with the gifts and the resources that I've been given. Because yesterday isn't the day the Lord gave, and tomorrow, we don't know what tomorrow will bring, but the psalmist says, this is the day that what? The Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God has given us today, and may every day be a day of thanksgiving for what he's given. And my prayer is that you know who you are and who you belong to and where you live and what you should be doing. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.